Um, you know, that journey is impossible without the support that we have from so many different people. I also want to take the opportunity to thank the many, many people that work for the Thunder. Um, there is a tremendous amount of effort uh, and intention that goes into everything that we're able to uh, do to put a basketball team on the floor. Um, and that goes for the business side as well as uh, basketball operations as well. Uh, and then I also want to thank everybody in the media. Uh, you guys have uh, covered us for a decade now, and um, we're really appreciative of the efforts that you guys make to, to create a positive working environment and then also to build uh, authentic relationships with the people around our team and our players. Um, and that's been just a that's been a constant, and, and we hope that it can continue in the future. Uh, with respect to um, the season, I'm, as I said earlier, I'm going to make a couple uh, opening statements on some key points. I'm sure you guys will be able to kind of um, hit on anything that I'm leaving out. I'll do my best to answer any questions uh, that you have, and then we'll, we'll move on from there. So, I thought I'd start with just the season in general. I feel like. Um, kind of look at the season in three different segments uh first being you know when a team comes together the way that ours did um you know the first 20 games if you look historically we kind of expected that to be a little choppy um you know we expected our team to to shoot the ball a little bit better obviously defensively we were really consistent and pretty good for through the first 20 and then from there historically that starts to kind of uh trend forward you start to work out some kinks and once we got into january i really felt like we were playing at an elite level on both sides of the ball uh and playing with rhythm and and I thought we were at a, at a really, really high level and balanced. Um, clearly, um, you know, the reality of the situation is, um, you know, once we took the injury to Robertson, it, it was really disrupting to us. It disrupted the progress we made. With all that being said, um, the real key to the season in, in, in the regular season, in my opinion, was just the amount of time it took us to respond and adjust to the loss of him. And therein lies the fact that you know we have to own that um, we didn't do a good enough job with that I didn't think that you know from that point on we found ourselves and um, I felt like you know once that happened and the amount of time it took for us to adapt um, you know we kind of shifted from uh, kind of the, the the regular approach of like pursuing progress, trying to build habits and getting better to really becoming a little more outcome oriented, just trying to find a way to win the next game. And I personally feel like that really caught up with us down the, uh, down the stretch and ultimately in the playoffs. And we have to own that. Um, um, you know, I'm happy to say that, you know, we're sitting here uh, in year 10 in Oklahoma City with 48 wins, a team that was in one of three or four teams to be in the top 10 in offense and defense. Um, the seventh best net rating in the league, uh, the ninth best record, and we're disappointed. And we should be. We expected more out of the team. Uh, I think uh, universally, and I, I'm speaking more internally, um, you know, there's, um, you know, I've sat up here for 10 years. Uh, this is my my tenth time I sat it in front of you, and I felt really good about um, you know the performance of the team and the opportunity to capture the opportunity during the regular season and to hopefully put us in position to make deep playoff runs. And uh, I don't feel like we were at that level this year, and that's on us. And we've got to figure out ways going forward because, as I said earlier. Um, 
there's a lot of positives uh, to what we were able to do, but the inconsistency of the performance is something that you know clearly our team has to figure out. And I'm really optimistic that we'll be able to do that because. Um, when I think about the season, you know, I never felt that when we were performing against the upper echelon teams in the league, um, I felt like we would always perform at a high level, and I thought we matched up well, especially when we were fully healthy. But you know, injuries are part of the deal. Um, uh, but it's our responsibility to adapt to those. Um, but. You know, I thought our problems were inconsistency against some of the sub-500 teams, and that inability to build habits through that period of time really caught up with us. Um, <clears throat> let me move on to um, a couple other things. Um, so with respect to uh, Billy, um, you know, one of the things that I'm most excited about and excited for him about going forward is the fact that, um, you know, if fortunate enough, he'll be able to work with the same core of a team that, as I said before, has a baseline that we've established but has some controllable areas that need to, need to improve. Um, if you think about the last three years for our organization um, and the last three years for him, it's it's been a little bit of a uh, it's a little bit a little bit of a of a whipsaw in respect to just the team he inherited in 2016, the performance of that team being within a couple minutes of going to the finals, um, and then not being able to capitalize on that. Uh, obviously, on the heels of free agency in 2016, we're you know trying to put together a team on the fly and do the best that we can. We're able to get that team to the postseason, um, and then in his third year, there's a significantly uh, you know different roster again I think the best thing for him and I think the biggest opportunity for him is in the continuity uh, additionally just continuity in general with the type of teams that the type of team that we have assembled and the way it was assembled historically continuity is his best friend going forward and um, that's just empirically proven out and obviously we, we've spent a lot of time studying that um, so uh, the addition of Dre uh, you know returning and then hopefully if we're able to bring the whole team back together, uh, the rhythm and the continuity of the roles that have been established should be really important to our improvement. Um, with respect to uh, Paul George, I know you guys should probably, if you're doing your jobs, have plenty of questions on that. Um, and the uh, thing I'd like to say about that with respect to Paul is... Um, I feel like he's been here a little like longer than one year. And I think, and I said this to him uh, before he left, uh, the reason why is because I just feel like he's such a tremendous fit for our organization, our community, um, the way he has embraced the opportunity in Oklahoma City, uh, built strong relationships both with his teammates, um, with ownership, um, with uh, staff. I just think he's really, really been exceptional in that respect. Um, on the floor, you know, I thought that during that two or three month stretch where he was shooting the ball like that, I thought he was the best player in the league. Um, and he's an even better defender than, than, than we realized. Um, and as I said before, uh, with Dre and Robert, with Dre and um, Paul on the floor on the wings, I think we're holding teams to some ridiculous, like I want to say it's like 95 points per 100 possessions or something along those lines. Um, and it was just devastating. And that was really what we were excited about, um, you know, when we got PG. Um, with respect to, you know, his future, um, this is what I can tell you. Um, you know, from the day that he arrived, uh, we really made a specific and intentional effort to build a relationship with Paul and his representation built on three things, collaboration, transparency, 
and trust. And those um, tenants were followed throughout the year and continue to be. Uh, I feel really strongly about the relationship. I feel great about uh, the communication and the honesty uh, because um, of the way we started the relationship. Uh, and, you know, the fact that PG uh, is extension eligible um, based on the way his contract is set up. And obviously, it doesn't make a lot of sense economically for him to look at that. Um, but, um, and we obviously can't have any conversations with respect to a new contract until July and obviously haven't done that, but it opens up opportunity to have conversation about, um, the team, uh, about the future, uh, non-economic, about the, um, uh, the opportunity to build something, the opportunity to, to, to hear his thoughts on working to continue to enhance the relationship uh, on and off the for- floor with Westbrook, which I think has been a really joy a joy to watch those two guys um, work together and learn each other, especially off the floor, to be honest with you, they've really become close. Um, and the opportunity to look into that and then also have that dialogue has really encouraged us. It's made us feel good about, um, you know, where he is in his mind, about the Thunder, where he is with his approach to things. And, um, again, we're looking forward to the opportunity in in July to have, uh, you know, a more official conversation and one that can uh, be more specific with respect to a deal. But um, that window was beneficial for us, I would say that. And I I really want to commend the – all parties for the transparency of those conversations and the relationships that have been built. Um, let me talk a little bit about Carmelo. Um, I know that I'll have plenty of questions about about him. Um, I just want to be clear about one thing with respect to Carmelo. Um, I don't want his comments at the end of the season to in any way be um, reshaped uh, by anybody to insinuate that he wasn't a total pro during the season. I don't want that to be insinuated that uh, he didn't put two feet in to fulfilling the role that was necessary for him to take on this team. And uh, I, you know, I think it's important to note that you know before he chose to come here, uh, you know, because he had the no trade clause, um, you know, he had to make a conscious decision about coming here and. Um, I was just talking to the three man about uh, about the about the, the potential of him coming here because PG and Russell were in communication with him. Um, but I think he knew that it was going to be a big transition, and I give him an enormous amount of credit for the fact that he put both feet in. Uh, I personally think he did an excellent job uh, in his first year transitioning his game, uh, you know, working to becoming more of an uh, off-the-ball player, uh, being more reliant on other people to generate his offense, and sacrificing a lot. Now, at the same time, I think every player is entitled to take a step back after the season reflect on um, the year they had and in his case you know have to make a determination about whether or not this is a role that he wants to continue to be um, you know functioning in Um, I actually think he's being quite honest with us in that respect and I respect it very much I think it's incumbent on us as an organization to show the same respect and be honest and transparent and straight with him about what that might look like going forward Um, and all that stuff you know when you're a team like us that's handled a lot of different um, (laughs) I would say different situations over the we've we've packed a lot into 10 years um, 
I think you learn to carry these things a little bit. And for us, you know, that's going to be a form of dialogue. We'll, we'll sit down face to face and try to get an understanding of what's important to him, what's important to us. And we just got to make sure that we're on the same page going forward. Uh, and that'll happen. We have a long time before that takes place. But I really think it's important, and it's important, I, I certainly don't want to shape the conversation in any way to make it seem as if he wasn't a total pro or wasn't really trying to embrace this role during the season as i said before at the end of the day you know he was a starter you know when healthy that starting lineup was the best starting lineup in the entire league um you know when when healthy uh actually for not even when healthy even with the injuries um you know we finished with the seventh best offense and the ninth best defense in the league um and he's a part of that by the same token you know the team as a whole struggled in the playoffs you know and we all have to own that that's that's a universal ownership i don't think that um you know we can take the six games in the postseason and apply that to the to the 82 because we we were exceptional on a lot of nights uh normally against the best teams in the league um and and we really struggle with consistency in in a lot of the other nights but that's that that's a team issue um I guess the last thing I'd add, um, just with respect to um, you know next season and, and, and the way we feel about that, um, you know the opportunity to potentially have uh, Westbrook, Paul George, and Stephen Adams, all three of those players in their prime years with playoff experience, and the fit of those guys both. Um, as competitors, but also as players, is extremely, extremely exciting for us. Um, that's that's what I think every team in the league is working towards: is to find players, uh, two-way players that have size for their positions um, and that uh, have accumulated postseason experience and that are in their prime. So that's that's number one. That that for us is an extraordinarily unique opportunity, uh, especially coming off of you know where we've been. Uh, I also think that we look at the team and we see you know the addition of Andre. Uh, we're not imagining or uh, creating in our mind what the team might look like with Dre. Um, we, we know what that looks like. Uh, we know the impact that he's had. We have uh, a decent amount of data that tells us that, both from our eyes and also you know, uh, objectively, and we're excited about that. I also think there's a lot of room and growth for Abrinas, uh, where there's a lot of room and growth for Patterson. I think he's a guy that we can certainly um, get more from, and, and, and that's, a, that's, a, that's something we we have to look to uh, going forward uh, and then Ferguson I think showed us some glimpses and we think he's a really nice young player and the type of player that over time we've had success developing Jeremy Grant you guys will be you know asking me about him but we we take a lot of pride in his development the fact that when we got him from Philadelphia he wasn't playing uh, and Jeremy's such a great kid the way he put the work in and um, you know he's progressed a little bit uh, at a time, and now he's become uh, a pretty effective backup five for us um, with some unique skills. So really excited if we're able to bring him back to the team. Um, but the continuity of the team is probably going to be our best friend, given the fact that historically these teams, um, you know, generally in year one are, if you're fortunate, they're pretty good. I mean, last year we were a, about a zero net rating. Uh, just you know, with this particular 
uh, team, even without Dre for a large portion of the season, we made a jump to three plus. Uh, the only other playoff teams that took jumps like that from last year to this year, Toronto and Houston. Uh, we feel really good about the position we're in to capitalize on what we establish. But again, I just want to make it very clear. Um, you know, based on the history of the Thunder and the way that we have uh, conducted ourselves and performed over time, um, you know, some teams are better than others. Uh, some teams uh, perform and exceed. Some teams meet. In this case, we have to own the fact that I don't think we capitalize on some of the opportunity that we had this season. Now, it's our job to keep moving forward to identify it um, and and not just identify issues, but bring solutions. And I'm confident that we're going to do that because that's what we've done for 10 years. Um, and we compete. That's what we do here. You know, um, we stand in the arena and we compete. We find ways to get better. We have to own the fact that uh, for our standards, 48 wins, a home court advantage, and seventh best night rating for this particular team, we felt like that wasn't where we wanted to be. At the same time, um, we're pretty confident, and I'm confident in the people that we have, uh, that we'll be able to continue to be better uh, and find ways to improve. So uh, we're unhappy. Um, we're not pleased with where we're at, but part of competing, part of being with the organization and the Thunder is being realistic, but also optimistic about your ability to impact change. And that's how we feel, and that's the approach we're taking to the, to the offseason. I'm happy to take any questions. Sam, ultimately, what, what gives you the confidence that, that whether or not you can build this continuity that, that Billy is the guy to, to coach it? When we hired Billy... You know, if you go back and look at the uh, press conference that we held at that point in time, we talked about three different buckets that we um, identified as being what we wanted in a head coach. The first was uh, a basketball coach that could adapt, evolve, um, and that had shown the ability tactically to uh, play several different ways with different types of personnel, uh, big, small, um, uh, system, you know, the different adaptations to changing game and changing personnel. Um, I wish I could say I was as prophetic to know that we would be having the amount of changes that we have had or had to have had. And, um, you know, that's in, in some ways it's great, in some ways it's unfortunate because continuity has always been a very big part of any team's success in the NBA. And we've struggled to, um, to grasp that over the last three years. Some within our control and some out of our control. But Billy's ability to do that was a big factor. The second bucket was organizational alignment, the ability for somebody to uh, get behind the values of the organization, to understand the vision of the Thunder and the work and what it means to Oklahoma um, and really connect with that. And then the last thing was the potential, the um, qualities of a high potential individual. So curiosity, um, adaptability, uh, humility, work capacity, um, those are the things that um, and resilience those are the things that we really felt like were important now for those of you that cover the team on a daily basis and are around Billy every day I, I feel confident that um, you know with respect to his uh, the, his qualities as a human being and as a worker I think you see that every single day I think that his adaptability as a coach has been recognized by the fact that you know in his first year uh from college to the NBA, he had us within two minutes, 
of going to the finals. Uh, and uh, unfortunately, that didn't work out. Uh, and then, as I said earlier, he's had several different teams. Uh, so it's those three things, um, you know, uh, in concert together, as well as the fact that he um, uh, he has – uh, an intense passion for the team and for the organization and um i think he comes in you know guns blazing every day looking for ways to get better uh looking for ways to continue to build relationships with his players and i think he's done an excellent job with that as well uh based on just the fact that you know this season with the some of the adversities we face both relative to expectations relative to um some injury the newness of the team the, the chemistry of the team was the strength of the team, and I think he has he has a big hand in that as well. Uh, Sam, you might have addressed this. I'm sorry, Jose. First of all, you might have addressed this first thing off the rip, but. Sounds like Billy's going back. I just want to confirm with you just to be sure. Billy is going back next season, right? Yeah, I mean, just based on the way I'm talking about him, yes. Right. Okay. But yes. <laughs> <laughs> but that's all right. I didn't hear yes or that's all right. No, you know, context is important, but yes. Sam, if Paul leaves, mm-hmm. do you have a plan, B, and where, where do you go from there? Sure. Well, um, you know, what I would say to you is that, you know, one, let's let's live in the present. Um, I understand that a lot of people, um, and this, this is more of a human nature thing, in my opinion, Barry. Um, you know, a lot of people will say, okay, well, you know, we've heard this before or, you know, this has happened in the past. And I, I think it's just natural for people to take instances and apply those to other people. Okay. Th- the difference here is that people are different. Human beings are different. What's right for one person may not be right for the other. The fact that Russell signed for five years, um, you know, is a significant is a significant significant thing for us. Uh, he's the last person to make a significant decision for this organization. I think naturally, and I think some of you guys sitting in the in the seats probably had your mind going to somebody else. The reality is is that each one of these decisions is singular and different, and every single person different. So um, we have to wait to see what Paul does. I can sit here and tell you that to this point, the conversation we've had um, throughout the year, February, you know, March, April, um, has been transparent, truthful, honest, and um, and I, I, I believe in people and I believe in, um, you know, letting the process play out before we make any any rash decisions. Um, I also think that you know us well enough and, um, you know, we'll be prepared for everything. Um, you know, at the end of the day, you know, we'll be prepared for all the different directions that could potentially go. Um, the opportunity to trade for PG has elevated us. You know, we were sitting here last year at the end of the year, and I think there was like a lot of questions about, okay, that was fun, but Westbrook's in his prime, and how are we going to maximize that? And I agree with you. Now, I didn't know exactly at that point what the solution to that would be, but we understood that. Um, we were a zero net rating team and um, keeping that team together, although I really liked it, um, you know, just wasn't aligned with where Russell was in his career, quite frankly. And small footnote, he was going to be a free agent. So, you know, we, we also had to take that to take that into account. Um, the team that we have now, albeit disappointing with respect to expectations coming into the season, is 
much further along to where we ultimately want to be within Russell's best best years and Paul's best years, quite frankly, because they're so aligned from an age standpoint and with Stephen now accumulating the amount of experience that he's accumulated. Um, so, you know, I think Paul used the terms year one. Yes, in year one, for us to jump to where we are now, understanding that, yes, I wish we were still playing. Uh, part of me feels like we, we, we really had the capacity to still be playing, um, but we're not. But we also have to understand that we're in a very good position with if PG does return to continue to build on the foundation of Paul George, Stephen Adams, um, Russell Westbrook, and then also the, the, the surrounding cast we like as well. Um, our issues are in the controllable areas. And those are fundamental things that I think that we have to address. But I don't think we're, if that team comes back together, I don't think we're, with the addition of Drake, I don't think we're addressing whether or not we can match up with the best teams in the league. We demonstrated that. Um, we have to be able to establish a standard of play day in and day out, regardless of where we're playing or who we're playing or when we're playing, and be able to rely on that. If we do that, I believe that we have a chance to be a special team. But that's on us to do. Sam, is it your belief that if Melo is here, he has to be in the same role he was this past year? Because he kind of indicated that he couldn't do what you guys were asking him to do. Well, you know, this is what I would say. Um, you know, I'm going to reiterate one thing because it's important to me. Um, his comments at the end of the year um, should are not reflective of his approach during the year. Because this is the NBA of 2018 and you guys would probably know <laughs> that was not the case uh, because pre- know pretty much everything um, so uh, he put both feet into that he has to decide whether or not he wants to do another year of trying to make this transition as a stretch player that's the first thing and that's I think he's being very candid and very honest I, I respect that I respect the fact that he's being open about that. Now, we have the same responsibility. We have to be candid and honest with him. But one of the things I really like about Carmelo is, like, he's a mature person. You can talk to him. You can. He listens. He's, a, he's been professional with us within the building. Um, I'm sure there were nights he was frustrated because it's a big transition that he's trying to make or was trying to make this season. Um, and we have to figure out, again, like we don't know exactly how our team's going to look. What I can promise you is that, one, the method of this takes time because you, 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 you're not you, – these are dialogues and conversations. And you got to be straight with people. you got to be honest with people. you got to tell them where you stand because if he is back with the team, if he feels like this is something he wants to continue to do, we all just got to be on the same page. And that's just – I don't want to – I don't want to lead in any different direction. That's Carmelo is, um, you know, was great for us this year in the role he was playing. He made more threes than he's ever made in his career. Changed his shot distribution. Um, you know, lowest turnover year. And as I said before, like you know, that lineup was the best starting lineup in the league. Um, but we also don't know what our team's going to look like. So once that stuff starts to clarify, we can have some more detailed conversation. We'll do some listening. We also owe some some some. Um, um, 
that's the right word, information, I guess, as well. And we're looking forward to doing that. It's the best I can answer right now because there's so much time. If he doesn't want to make that adjustment, he has a $27 million plus player option that, that's his choice. What then becomes the ultimate solution for you guys? What direction would you have to go? Well, I think the first thing is is um, that dialogue has to happen with respect to kind of like where he is in his career, what he sees, you know, um, relative to, to the role that's here, whatever that is, and what he wants out of that. I think it's, again, like I understand the question. Before we can get to the, the finance component, to me, you got to get to just kind of like the, the the open communication, transparency of communication, and we, that's one of the things that I don't know that everyone here, um, you know, uh, and it's not it's not anyone's fault. You just don't know how those things happen. You know, like you you have relationships with players, you have relationships with agents. You sit down, you work through these things. You you have to do a lot of listening. You have to do a lot of um, uh, of, of asking questions and, and vice versa. And then that stuff, the stuff you're talking about, you know, the decision on the option, um, you know, role, those types of things, those things work themselves out. And we'll sort it out. We'll figure it out. That's just always the way that we've operated. How's Andre's rehab going? And at what point do you see him being 100%? He's doing well. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a tedious rehab. It's a frustrating rehab. Um, uh, but, you know, one of the things about Dre, I appreciate you asking that question. Cliff, because it gives me a chance to speak. I, I made the the injury was a bit of an inflection point, um, and as I said before, it's, there's no excuse for our our, our inability to, to fundamentally adapt to that. I just don't want to. I don't want that Dre piece to come across like, well, if we had Dre, if we had Dre, we would be. We saw what that would look like. Without Dre, we should be better, um, and, fa- and found ways to get better. But. Um, Without Dre, I think one of the things that we we saw was, you know, Dre is a, is a, what I would call like a, a fiber player. You know, he brings in an immense amount of competitiveness. Um, he does the stuff that that most people don't want to do. Um, you know, I historically people have 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 opt to look at the things that maybe he doesn't do really well, like like shoot the ball. Um, but he was shooting fifty five percent. Though he did shoot 55% for the year this year because he was taking shots that were, you know, fastballs down the middle for him and um, played really well off of the other starters um, and really keyed our defense, got a lot of our transition going. We played in, I think, I want to say, I'm going to, I'll be guessing, I think within 20, the 20s of about 20, maybe close games by definition. Offensively, our ratings were really good in under two minutes. Our breakdowns and the reason why we came up short in a lot of our close games this year was our defensive rating was not good enough in close games. We, we really struggled in close games defensively. Um, and, you know, that's a matter of a, a lot of different things. One, we fouled um, like it's nobody's business in those situations. You can probably have flashbacks about how many times in close games the other team's on the line. Um, down the stretch, I mean. Uh, and then, you know, people shot the ball really well against us down the stretch in close games. And, you know, some of that's on us and some of that's credit to them. But um, I think Dre makes a difference in those situations because he's the guy that comes up with the deflection. He's the guy that comes up with a defensive rebound. Um, he's the guy that blows up a pick and roll. And when you've got him and Paul on the floor together at six, 
six eight plus, both of them, it's a problem. Uh, it's a problem, and and um, and the numbers bear that out. We're not like imagining that in our head. Like we saw that, and once we got our feet underneath us after the like the gauntlet of change of the first twenty. Um, I mean, he had some possessions this year defensively that were like works of art. In fact, there was one in the Detroit game against Tobias Harris that was like a clinic, you know. And um, he's he's just got better and better. We we miss him. There's no question. With that said, you, sometimes you're going to have injuries, and sometimes it'll be season ending, and we have to fundamentally adjust for that as a unit. And we weren't able to do that. And when you traded for Paul, obviously, you guys have paid a lot for winning this year. All that stuff, but when, when you're closer to the repeat tax, if you if you pay next year, does the result of this season have any effect on how much luxury tax you pay, or or if Paul does hypothetically leave, does that affect how willing the organization is to pay the tax? Well, okay, a couple things in that, uh, Fred. So, you know, the only way, and I'm glad you asked the question. I think it's an important question. Um, the only way that our team becomes a really expensive team is if Paul George chooses to stay with the Thunder. So if you're asking me if we would like to keep Paul George if he wants to keep his talents in Oklahoma City at the cost that it, that it, that it takes to resign him, the answer to that would be affirmative. Uh, yes, because Paul George is a very unique player. So that's how our team gets extremely expensive. The other way I think you have to look at that is over the course of a 10-year period. Um, over the course of 10 years, our team uh, has had about the 12th or, or 13th highest payroll in the league. So we're in the top half. Teams around us in terms of total dollars over that 10-year period of time, San Antonio, Orlando, the Clippers, are kind of in that bookending us. Um, we're about $6 million less than San Antonio in total payment over 10 years. Um, with respect to uh, efficiency of that spending or, or wins per percentage of the cap that's spent, we're in the top three. So San Antonio, Houston, Oklahoma City uh, are, you know, with respect to like efficiency of uh, the, the winning versus the percentage of the cap you're using, we're in the top three. So I'd like to think over those ten, that 10-year period of time, um, you know, we've been in the middle of the pack, you know, with respect to payroll, and we are in one of the smallest markets in the league. But I think we've also been economical in that spending. Now, you also have cycles of your team. Um, Russell Westbrook is in the the prime of his career, uh, and the opportunity to extend what was a what has been a ten year, um, you know, run to further that is and potentially could come at a great cost. But that cost is not a cost that's going to be going in perpetuity. It could be a one-year significant spend uh, in order to, to retain a player like George in the best years of, of, of Westbrook's career. And it's also not historically something that we've been doing. So you kind of come to these points in time, and the, the alternative would be to uh, you know rebuild the team and go in a different direction. Uh, on the heels of the 16 free agency, we had that choice. We chose to keep competing. We chose to keep going to see if we could find a way to stay at an elite level. Uh, I understand. We're disappointed. The, the year did not go to the level that we want. But the foundation that we have and the ability to keep a player like Paul George, given the fact that we've 
were you know eleven or twelve over the over the course of ten years, it could take that for a year in order to continue to, the the ten year run, and it hasn't been something we've been doing for a long time. So um, the answer is is that's how we get expensive, um, and the. To, the other part of your question was, um, does the performance of this particular year's team? Uh, again, I, I think, I don't know that you can really look at it that way, uh, only for this reason. I don't think that's a reflection on whether or not Paul George is a good player. Russell Westbrook is a good player, and Steven Adams is a good player in terms of foundationally. And I also don't think that we really saw the full team because, one, of the lack of continuity that empirically um, teams take bumps with, re- with regard to their net just by keeping the group together. Uh, we went from a zero to a three. We can expect, a, based on history, a little bit of a bump there. Factor in Robertson, a little bit of a bump there. Um, I think we'll be a better team. I also think that continuity-wise for Billy, I think there's a lot of things that line up to say, um, you know, you should probably run this back and give it an opportunity. And, you know, from there, then you might have to make some tough decisions. But um, I don't think it's a tough decision if Paul George wants to stay with the Thunder, given the fact of how he fits with our, our core. Considering you have Russell locked up in the next few years, I mean, he's had multiple roles as a leader, you know, going back to Kevin Durant being here, uh, the MVP season last year, now this year. If Paul George is able to return, how pivotal do you think this offseason is in terms of his uh, development as a leader with the team? Or, and I don't, want, I don't want you to think I'm trying to say, like, what conversations would you have to alter his game, but are there ways that you feel he can still improve going into his 11th season? Yeah, so you mean more like um, a game, game oriented? Yeah, okay. Just to make sure I understand the question. Yeah, so listen. One thing, I, one thing I can tell you about Westbrook is um, he's driven. Okay, uh, he's going to keep coming. He's not going to, um, you know, kick his feet up and um, expect to um, come back next year and, and have things just all the all of a sudden be a little bit different. I think he's going to, based on every competitor, I think he's going to spend, now whether he'll tell you this or not, he's going to spend a lot of time thinking about the things he can do to get better. Um, and, you know, for our team, one of the things that I think he's focused on trying to do is become a better three-point shooter. And I see him late at night in this gym working on that. Um, you know, his ability to continue to catch and shoot and knock shots down, I think, is an, a, a big part of his continued uh, evolution as a player. With all that being said, you're talking at a guy, about a guy that is amongst the best players, if not the best players in the league. It would be easy for him to kind of rely on what he's done, but he's not going to do that. The areas for him to continue to improve, those are things that, one, you know, uh, structurally, how can we continue to find ways to put him in position to be... Um, uh, enhances effectiveness you know i wouldn't say make him effective because he's highly highly effective you know we one thing about him is over the last 10 years um we have the second most total wins of any team in the league including the playoffs other than san antonio and russell's been here for all of that um he's not perfect he'll tell you that um i think you know uh, shooting the ball at the free throw line this year, what we experienced, and we were 29th in the league shooting the free throw. Um, 
how in the world you can be that bad at the free throw line and still end up seventh in offensive efficiency is beyond me. Um, but we've had guys underperform shooting the ball from places on the floor that they've notoriously shot the ball well from. So Ferguson, we're feeling out. You know what I mean? We don't know. Um, but, you know, a lot of other guys didn't have the year shooting the ball that they that they normally would or have. And we have to figure out, you know, how much of that's random and how much of that is um, systematic that we can do to help. Um, but, you know, Patterson, uh, high 30s, three-point shooter. Abrinas, high 30s, three-point shooter. PG was, I think, running close to 40. Mello was in the 37 area. Felton had a 35-plus three-point shooting year. Um you know, Dre, obviously, uh, that's not the strength of his game, but he was efficient from the spots on the floor. Steven's always going to be up there, you know, in the, in the, in the, um, uh, area in which he shoots the ball. And Russell's just devastating from at the rim and mid range. Um, I think everybody can come back a little bit better, and I think Russell will do the same. There's no question. But the free throw line will help us all. <laughs> that, I mean, that's one of those fundamental areas that, you know, I don't. I, I wish I had an answer for you, but we had guys not shoot free throws well collectively, and we were leaving five, six points a game on the line and losing. Clo- we lost a lot of close games, and um, again, that's a reality. It's not an excuse. Like we have to be better at the line. We have to knock shots down at the line, and um, I, we're not imagining guys to shoot better at the free throw line. They've done that for a long period of time. It just didn't happen. Wow, that was a lot. There people jumping in there. We'll get to all of you. Like, you talked about Russell not kicking his feet up or just expecting things to be different. How, how do you get more out of him defensively? I know you're already asking a lot of him in terms of the offensive loads he carries, but he just hasn't been a consistent defender. That, that's a, I, I think that's a fair question. I think that's something that, um, you know, again, for us to be um, – where we were defensively uh, with Dre, which is, I think, one or two in the league, um, you know, uniformly, the group as a whole, I think we can get more out of defensively. And that's that's saying something because we're ninth in the league defensively. And so, um, but with our team, with Westbrook, Paul George, um, Robertson, and Adams, and obviously, you know, that's Carmelo on that team is not going to be the best defender of that group. But I do think that when Robertson dropped out of that group, it made everybody else's job harder. And I don't think we really adapted to that uh, effectively. And that's everybody. I wouldn't say it's just Russell. Um, but, you know, I don't think that a lot of times we think about defense and we think about it being this like, you know, uh, we think about the glamour of, the, of, of defense. You know what I mean? We think about. Dre pinning a ball on the on the on the uh, on the backboard, or Russell, you know, running through a, a pass and taking it, you know, like a pick six to the other end of the floor, you know. But the the best defenses are the ones that force the most inefficient shots, and we as a unit didn't do a a, a great job of that. Now we turn people over at an alarming rate. Um, we defensive rebound rebounded okay. Um, but we knew that would be a bit of an adjustment for us because we got a smaller team this year because we were playing with more space and we're trying to you know add more shooting with Patterson et cetera um, and we, we were a little bit on the boards but we were we were good enough um, uh, we got better in the deep paint um, but that's a universal approach now I also think that speaks to the continuity which is 
uh, if we were able to, and this is without Dre, but like if we were able to bring the same group back, that's where role definition, uh, the anticipation, like especially with all the switching schemes that we're using, uh, that Billy likes to use, that's that's there's a rhythm to that, and there's a um, uh, a repetition to that that I do think can get better. If you look at the best teams um, defensively, a lot of them do have a lot of continuity, uh, and there's a cerebral nature to defense as much as there is to offense, and I think that uniformly that could be that could be better. I, I don't disagree. A lot of teams would be happy to be in the top 10 defensively. We would like to be better than it. We'd like to be in the top five if we could. Um, and that's what we're going to try to focus on. What did you What did you think of what Oladipo and Sabonis were able to do in Indiana this I honestly wasn't drastically surprised because um, – you know, we 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 gave Victor that contract. <laughs> a lot of people uh, made fun of us when we did that, but um, and we also traded a significant player to get Demontis. Um, I couldn't be happier for those guys. What those guys are doing um, is is it doesn't have a reflection on like what our eye on the ball is what's happening here and putting ourselves in position to be closer to our goal. Um, last year we were a we were a zero net rating team based on the composition of that team, just on the fit. It's not because of those players. I mean, you can see that. Uh, those guys, and I, I don't want to get in trouble, those guys should stay in Indiana the rest of their careers. Um, they're great players, great guys, hard workers, and we wish them nothing but the best. We want players that are from Oklahoma to go on and have success other players. This isn't like a, um, we're not like five-year-olds. Like, you know, like rooting against people because, like, we're, this is a business. You want people to know that you generally have a good feel for players so that when they, when, when they come to make deals with you, they feel like they're going to get somebody that's going to perform well. Um, we have a certain style of play. Indiana's a certain style of play. I think the fit for Victor specifically is fantastic. I also think, um, you know, Victor is um, just a he's a great competitor. So is Domas. We want those guys to, to do great. Everybody that leaves here. Listen, I'm proud of the fact that a player like Taj was here. I mean, he wasn't here for very long, but you know, Gibson is back with Tibbs. He should stay there in Minnesota for a long time. But another great like I, I'm proud that Gibson was here. Um, he's a he's a competitor. Um, but we want those guys to do well, and they should. They should do well in those places because those places fit them exceptionally well. We're also really happy with the position we're in relative to kind of, you know, the situation we were faced with last year coming into Russell's free agency, um, you know, the age of the team relative to his age, and quite frankly, just the upside of what a player like Paul George can mean to our franchise and our community. When Westbrook and Durant were going through their parade, they both have been in the program or the franchise a long time. Paul's been here a year. How do you handle things in terms of selling points or whatever when you talk to him compared to those two guys and just uh, with those conversations? Well, Myron, that's, you're hitting on something that I think is pretty important, which is that's the reason we traded for Paul George. Because we weren't going to have access to a player like that in any other way. Um, especially not at that age or with the type of fit next to our core players, meaning um, Adams, uh, Westbrook and Adams. It just 
you can't get access to those players. Now, um, there's a significant amount of risk that comes with that, but with where we are in the juncture of our timeline as an organization and where we were with Russell at that point in time, uh, you're going to have to get comfortable with that. I mean, we talked about that at the time. Um, We also think that although it was a disappointing year, in our first year together, um, there were some really positive things that took place. Wasn't enough. We feel like maybe should be a little bit better, but the foundation in year one, um, you know, is certainly in an optimistic uh, framework. But we traded for him because we get to be around him. We get to build a relationship with him. We get to build a relationship with his representation. We get to answer questions, um, and you get to have dialogue. And as I said before, um, you know, we're able to talk about those things openly. Uh, If you're fortunate enough to get an hour-long free agent meeting, it's not going to be here. It's not going to be in front of our fans. It's not going to be, you know, in the environment. I personally think this is a wonderful environment to play basketball as a professional athlete. Um, A big part of it is the universal and unwavering support that our fans provide the team. I think it's a great quality of life. I think that, you know, our we're resourced exceptionally well by ownership to provide the players an environment to amplify their talents. Um, and I, I'd like to show that to anybody, but, um, but I think what we've learned over time is you just have to be yourself. That is probably the most important thing. Um, and the best way to be yourself is I also think when you go through some adversity, you learn a lot about people. And when things weren't going the way that we wanted them to go this season, especially the first 20 games, because that was that was like a that was a rough melding or molding, which we kind of expected. But it was tough because we weren't making even shots that were open. Um, Everyone just kept plugging. Everyone just kept coming, kept competing, kept working together. The intention was good. The brotherhood was being built. Um, the coaching staff and the players were working together, trying to sort it out, and PG was a huge part of that. He was a huge part of that because he was interacting, and I think that by the end of the season, um, the dialogue between him and Billy and, and Russell and Carmelo um, and Steven was growing, and I, that doesn't happen unless he's here, and I think you just have to go through things. And sometimes it's not just the uh, wins in Golden State or the wins in Toronto or the wins in Houston. Um, sometimes it's the tough stuff too, like a, a tough flight back from Salt Lake City in a series that you feel like, you know, we could have performed a little bit better. Now, how do you respond to that? You know, how do you how do you dictate what happens next? Like that that has to happen collectively. But I think PG is a big part of that. Sam, you had an opportunity to choose between Jeremy being restricted last summer versus unrestricted this year. How do you, how do you feel about that decision now in hindsight? And, and where do you stand with him coming up this summer? Well, I mean, with respect to that, I mean, I don't know how much I can say on it other other than. Um, you have to have two two people have to uh, cooperate with respect to an extension, right? And you didn't mention the fact that he's he, he's potentially extension eligible. Um, with respect to restricted free agency, you, you just don't know what the market could potentially be. Uh, we didn't know what was coming at us. Uh, we knew that we were going to have an expensive team. Sometimes people forget that um, Carmelo's 
Carmelo's deal is roughly was was basically the equivalent of McDermott and Cantor. Um, but what we saw there was a chance for Carmelo to start and play as a stretch player next to these other players. And Doug and Ennis, based on their time here, were more situational players for us. And um, we had a hard time sometimes. Uh, you know, it's when you have Stephen Adams, the back of five can sometimes you know suffer now jeremy fortunately can play a couple different positions so that's helped him a great deal um but uh uh you know we knew that we were going to check in pretty high anyway um adding more uh to that um you know at that point in time could have been preventative to other things uh and we still have the opportunity to use bird rights at the appropriate time to have conversations with Jeremy. Uh, he also is, you know, one of those players that is extension eligible. Um, and at the end of the day, you know, we'll have those conversations and we're excited about his development. We hope he's excited about his development and the track he's on. Um, but, you know, it's a marketplace and you have to see where that goes. You said you wouldn't have access to, like, you said you wouldn't have access to a player like Paul George be any other way than trade. So when you reach out to agents, players, free agents, what, what are the biggest objections you hear about coming to Oklahoma City maybe not wanting to be with It's not really, it's not, that's not really the, that's not really the, the context of the, of the comment. Essentially, just, it's respect to team building. So, um, you only have so much space available. Uh, when you have a player like Westbrook or Adams, that's going to take up a significant amount of that space. Um, those players are generally drafted, and they're generally drafted toward the top, but there's also the, the, the occasion in which a player can get picked out of the a needle in a haystack can get picked you know, somewhere else within the draft. But generally, higher draft picks have the higher projection to become those types of players. We weren't in the position to be in that race. Uh, we had a team that wasn't um, declining itself uh, and opening up salary cap space because we, we won 47 games last year on the heels of... Um, uh, the, of, of free agency. Now we could have pulled the court at that point and gone a different direction. Um, some teams would have done that, um, but and that would have opened up plenty of space. But with that, there you need to have elite players to attract other elite players in today's NBA. So for us, it became more of a trade conversation um, in order to to get a player like that. And um, in order to do that, you have to give up good players to do that. So it's more systemic in terms of how can you add those types of pieces to your team based on where the timeline of your team is we're still working off the canvas of 2008 like we arrived here and we haven't turned the page because we haven't rebuilt the team since 2008 and i'm i i'm i'm happy about that um at the same time we're we're trying to make it work, you know, as long as we can. Um, but ultimately, us, like every other team, is going to have to find ourselves in a position where we'll have to rebuild. Um, the, the ability to get Paul George uh, prior to Russell's contract um, opportunity, I think, was the best way for us to have a chance to continue to, to, to stay on that track and not uh, take a different turn uh, because I think the fans in Oklahoma City have been so great, so supportive. We want to try to keep uh, an elite team on the floor as long as we can. And as Fred asked earlier, that could come with a big expense. But um, fortunately for us, that expense hasn't been uh, longitudinal. 
you know, and it's certainly not permanent. But that's where we're at. That's where we're at after after ten years. Hopefully, going on eleven. Does Carmelo's status at all have anything? Tied to what Paul does, stay or go. I, you know, I, I don't know the answer to that. Um, you know, I think all the guys have great relationships. Uh, as I said earlier, uh, I don't think you make it through a year that was as up and down as ours this season without really good chemistry, without the coaching staff keeping that the group focused. Um, uh, and I don't want to speak to the relationships of the guys because they all have their personal relationships and their playing relationships. Um, you know, you don't have to. Not everybody has to hold hands and go to dinner every night to have great chemistry. Um, and there's guys that could have a hard time with each other on the floor that are best friends off the floor. So, I mean, I don't know the status of of that. Other than my experience is generally that that players want other players to do what you know is best for them. In Carl, in 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 Mello's case, Carmelo's case, you know, as I said earlier. He's simply being honest about whether or not he feels like um, he can commit another year to, to playing this role. I appreciate the candor. I respect it. Um, you know, and, and that's, those are the conversations we have to have, and there'll be a method to that, and we'll sort it out. You know, he's a pro. He's been nothing but a pro since he's been here. I don't know what effect that has on other people. Um, but we'll all work together. I mean, that's one of the things about us that we've tried to continue to foster, which is just, like, let's work through these things. It's pro sports. It's in a cauldron of people focusing on every word and every uh, every tweet and all that stuff. I think at the end of the day, you've got to deduce it down to just human beings trying to understand what everyone's trying to accomplish and see if we can bring ourselves all together to do that. Um, I personally really like the foundation that we have on a human level. Like I do. I think that the group is really connected. Um, we've got to get ourselves stronger in the controllable areas and the consistent areas. We own that. With that being said, we're going to do what we always do here in Oklahoma City. We're going to take where we are and we're going to compete. We're going to keep coming. We're going to keep our eye on the ball and figure out the ways we can get better. And we're going to keep standing up and finding ways that we can take this group and get it to another level. And that's collective. That's everybody. That's from myself to every single person that's in the building. Did you hear that comment yesterday about uh, TG's made up his mind? What's your reaction to that? I talked to TG, and I would say, why don't we listen to Paul? He's said a lot of has had a lot of comments. Also, I'm not trying to dis, 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 um, dissuade anybody or say that that what someone says someone told them is inaccurate. I, I, I don't. But I'd, I'd just rather listen to the man himself. I'd also um, reflect on the fact that like PG really keeps keeps his business like pretty pretty in house. I mean, we've gone through the whole year. We haven't heard, like, a whole lot of stuff since he's been here. He's been pretty straight down the middle, and um, I have nothing. I can't do anything but trust the things that I'm being told, and um, and I do because, uh, you know, if you can't do that, uh, when I say trust, I mean trust the fact that um, he said positive things about the organization, um, 
if you can't trust other people or if you're going to live in a world of skepticism and cynicism, I can't help you. I, I don't know where that leaves us. You know, good luck. Um, I'll see you down the line. I'm not going to let myself go there. Thank you, Sam. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Uh, I mean, we had that conversation. I mean, he's free. Um, he was really good for us. Uh, but it's like free agency. You just, uh, once the gun goes off, you just have no idea. Same thing with the other guys, you know. So um, we, we wanted him for a long time because he kicked our ass in Dallas for, <laughs> for a long time. So, but yeah, he's a he, he's he's a big part of the heartbeat of the team, chemistry of the team, like we were talking about. Um, and it's funny. I know the press conference is over. Um, it's funny because it's been a great learning for me to watch because our teams have had generally been like we've returned about eighty percent of our minutes. You know, over the course of time, we've been so lucky that we haven't had this disruption in continuity. But we also haven't had a team that's come together kind of like this. Watching those relationships form, watching the, you know, the the, the back and forth, sometimes the tension, you know, which is healthy within a team. Like, hey, you're supposed to be here. You're supposed to be there. The way they work through those things, um, the way they handle defeat, the way they handle defeat, um, and also the way they handle victory, which has been a bit of an issue for us. Um, but Felton has been great. Uh, watching, like, you know, Raymond Felton and Patrick Patterson don't know each other. Paul George and Raymond Felton, no one really knew each other. So it was just kind of fascinating to me to watch that. And the, and the, and the challenge that that, that brings on, from an on-court standpoint is the fact that people don't know each other, you know. Or they've played different roles and they're trying to figure out, how do I play with this? Um, I've, I've, I've learned a lot from that. He says he wants to be back. Do you, do you want him back? Uh, you know, I can't really say. The answer to that question is we really enjoyed having Raymond here. When we get to July, we'll be able to have those those conversations. But he was very good for us. Sam, how excited were you about just the general local coverage of the team this year? <laughs> I honestly thought it was fine. I, don't, I thought it was great. I don't. I mean, especially the normal transcripts. That was, like, exceptional. Fine. There was really, really... Really, really in-depth reporting happened. Oh. Right. I actually just, yeah, yeah. Everything else was just fine. I actually, I actually is a little sarcasm. I, actually, just for those of you that um, there's a great documentary on Ben Bradley that I just watched. I'd recommend it highly to anybody. It's called Newspaper Man. Fascinating, absolutely fascinating. He's a guy that I've, I've 